This is EdTech Weekly, and I'm your host, Ricky Zager, and this is episode 100. Oh my gosh, that's making me kind of crazy. In tonight's show, EdTech for English Learners, three key questions for understanding EdTech, college esports are growing, and the most used EdTech tools, and a special guest interview. For those of you who have been with the show for a while, you will be excited to hear from this person, so I'm excited about that. Let's first start, Christy, if I will. Let's welcome you to the show, first of all. I'm glad you're here tonight. I know we've had a couple in a row that you haven't been here, so thanks for joining us. Yeah, happy to be here. Episode 100, I feel like we should be wearing party hats and have confetti or, you know. I mean, I I feel like we should have a fun sound effect, like maybe a reggae horn or something to celebrate. (laughs) You have that keyed up? You gotta love YouTube. You gotta love YouTube. Yeah, the reggae horn to ring in the hundredth episode. I mean, you know, I gotta be honest. I'm just trying to let this sink in. One hundred episodes. I'm trying to go back to the first time that I was talking with Matt about, hey, you know, I really like ed tech, and hey, uh, we should do a podcast, and I just kind of want to see what happens. And uh, yeah, so we're we made it to a hundred. And so there's a couple questions for you I've got, Christy. These are trivia questions, and I, I just want – there's some of them that I think you should know, some of them maybe that you might guess, but let's just see. So first of all, do you know how many downloads the show has had? Oh, okay. Let's see. Over the 100 episodes, yeah. I'm going to guess 20,000. You're close. Sev- over 17,000, though, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere around there. Yeah, good. Okay. And now, do you remember the first episode that you showed up on the show? I remember exactly where I was because I was so nervous that <laughs> you guys wouldn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting outside um, on a patio table. I remember that. It was the summer. So that must have uh, like this is. 2016 july i'm guessing yeah and it was episode 45 episode 45 so wow. you've been with okay. us for quite some time for over half the life of the show in terms of episodes you have been here with us so that's pretty awesome and our first you haven't show kicked me off yet. do you know what our first <laughs> show was the very first episode and boy is it terrible if you ever want to go back and just laugh at me even more <laughs> than you probably normally do you should definitely check out that episode mm-hmm. that was back i'm gonna guess sometime in 2015? Yeah, in April of 2015. So, I mean, when you look at it, we're averaging more than an episode every two weeks. So I think that's pretty good. I mean, I know it's EdTech Weekly, so maybe it should be EdTech Bi-Weekly, but I'm not changing all that now. That um, a while ago, that is, if your podcast made it to episode 10, then you had a successful podcast. So look at us now, 100. Yeah, that's 10 times successful. I don't know. I'm not a math guy. I never have been, but I'm pretty sure that's 10 times more successful than just 10 episodes. Yeah? Okay. I don't know. just want to make sure. All right. So I, I do have to address the fact that last week I missed the podcast streak. The term, no matter what. <laughs> yeah, that's just not a good term to use when it comes to things like this. Because as much as my son being sick the first time... Um, and I was still able to do the show two weeks ago last week. He ended up getting an ear infection, and my wife was out of town. She had been called into duty for the hurricane, so she was deployed. And you know what? I just It was too much, and I just didn't do the show. And I'm, I'm sorry about that because I really wanted to do 10 straight shows. But at the same time, I think it's a good lesson that you know there are other things that come up, but I still am trying to make this a priority, and that's why we're back again this week. 
you know, I think our listeners appreciate it too. We all have lives outside of our work and podcast and, you know, we both have kids and families and, and all that. So we just have to balance it all out. So glad we're here tonight. Yeah. And I do want to say, you know, throughout the course of doing this podcast, you know, we started out doing the show, Matt and I, and it was like <laughs> the first several shows, I don't think we had any downloads. And then all of a sudden, I remember we got our first download. I'm like, okay, well, maybe we should keep doing this. And then you go for a little while and then you're like, mm, maybe this isn't really doing anything for anyone. And then somebody emails you and then it's, and then you, and you know, and so there's always something there that sort of gives you this new energy, this sort of renewed vigor to keep going with the show and try new things. And I recently had that moment. Christy again and I know I've shared this with you off the air or off the podcast waves but um, EdTech Weekly has been contacted and we're going to be going out to Boston next week to interview a couple of uh, big names in education and specifically the CEO of edX which is a uh, online learning platform that's run out of MIT and so Man, I, you know they're they're flying us up there, and uh, it's just really exciting. And I never really expected us to get to that level. And I think maybe now we got to start playing like we're big boys in the field, right? I know that it sounds like someone really smart. <laughs> yeah, it's a little disconcerting that I'm going to be interviewing him because I'm like, hmm, what do I say to not sound completely ridiculous? But thankfully, I've got a little bit of time to prepare. Fly out next week, and uh, yeah, I'll be really excited. I'm hoping to do some some videos uh, during the trip and of the tour there so that I can kind of communicate a little bit more on social media about what's going on. And uh, yeah, so I'm super excited. Like, I can't even believe that that's happening. Like, the mere fact that we're being called upon to go out and cover an event is pretty awesome. Yeah, we're a legit podcast. Way to go, Ricky. Yeah, as if we didn't already think we were. We should believe in ourselves now, right? All right, Christy. Well, it's the 100th episode. We have all these fun things going on. But at the end of the day, we are an EdTech News Podcast. So let's get started, as we always do, with the news of the week in the EdTech News Rundown. All right. On Monday, the U.S. Department of Education announced the release of the National Study on English Learners and Digital Resources. This study is the first national look at how districts and educators are using EdTech to instruct English learner students, which happens to be the fastest growing populations of students in the U.S., Perhaps more importantly, they've also released an educator toolkit, which offers five guiding principles for educators to apply in exploring new ways of working with and supporting their English learners through technology. And it starts with recognizing their students' unique needs and thinking through to the best technologies to help meet those needs. And they also give access to developer toolkit, which helps guide those creating this type of ed tech. So that's pretty interesting too. And to give a little perspective here, about 10% of enrolled students are English learners now. So it's clearly something that all educators should be paying attention to. I especially recommend EdTech coaches or other EdTech leaders to check this toolkit out and share it with their teachers as you see fit, because this is becoming something that all teachers are going to need to be aware of as the number of English learning learners continues to grow. And the toolkit is essentially a step-by-step -step guide to help teachers ask the right questions about resources, where to find them, and how to get professional development. I was hoping this is a little more detailed with some actual resources, like here, go to this site and check this out. It's not that, but I do think it still has value to check out, especially for the EdTech leaders out there. Uh, and the study in the toolkit make it abundantly clear that EdTech is gonna have to be used as a tool for students to have an equitable educational experience. 
the more English learners that are coming up and the more other populations that are coming through that need to be served equally, we're going to need to use EdTech to tackle that. So the website is finally up and it's up to date. So check out the link there at edtechweeklyshow.com. Yeah, I checked it out too, Ricky. And yeah, it was pretty philosophical, but I did find some links that I was able to go to where I think it can get down to some recommended tools. Um, and I just think it's really nice to have some vetted resources for this topic, you know, our English learners. So we're not just randomly searching the internet, you know, someone else has done the research and tried things out for us. So that's great to have. And, you know, especially in our rural areas um, where we do have English learners, but maybe not the higher density, you know, if we just have different you know, a few here and there in, in our classrooms, um, we still need to meet their needs. And really, there's no way to do that without technology right now. Um, so whether it's learning English or learning content, um, technology plays a huge role in that. Yeah. And I'm glad you went deeper into those and found those. I didn't happen to see the links when I was looking through it. So um, they're there. Check them out. But yeah, I, I think this, you bring up a great point with rural areas. And in some rural areas, those that percentage may be even higher, depending on the type of work done in those areas. But it certainly is something that even if it's just a couple students, if you have a resource that is easily accessible and usable to help them get where they need to be, then uh, you need to check it out and use it. So definitely have this article at the ready and check out those resources. All right. Our next article is from EdScoop, and it gives us three key questions your ed tech ecosystem. Now, these questions will probably get significantly more difficult to ask depending on the size of your district, but they seem to be extremely important, especially moving forward. The first question asks if you know all of the applications that are being used in your district. I think that even small districts, this could be difficult based on individual teachers using their own apps to address their, their classroom goals and or needs. The problem can also be that these teachers may not even feel comfortable sharing the tools they're using for fear of being told that they can't use them. The obvious issue here is equity. If students in one class aren't getting access to the same tools as the students in another. So district leaders need to be fostering an environment where teachers feel safe to be open about the ed tech applications they're using. The second question is, do you know how these applications are being used? Just because an application is available doesn't mean it is being used or being used the way it was intended. So knowing how it is being used is essential in understanding the data collected by these applications. And the last question is, do you know if these applications are violating student privacy? This is definitely something we talk about a lot here at EdTech Weekly. So make sure you're aware of the privacy policies of the tools your teachers are using and educate your teachers about these privacy and security concerns. Yeah, and I, I think these are some great questions. And they, if you're not in in ed tech and in the field and in the classroom or, or an ed tech leader, you may not realize just how important these questions are. I know firsthand from being in a big district and working in the district office in the ed tech area, just how difficult it is to even know which applications that your district has paid for and is making available. Um, sometimes they have licenses where the whole district can have them. Sometimes just only schools have a certain license. Sometimes even just classrooms only have a license. And even if it's all leg legit and it's all been, you know, everyone's been informed and teachers are telling people what they're using, that can be the case. And to make a sense out of how these tools are being used and how effective they are, given the fact that you may not even know what tools are being used, is really a difficult thing to think about. So I, you, we really need to be tackling these questions, and we need to figure out ways to make sure we know exactly what's going on in our ecosystems. And it's not going to be easy, and it's going to require a lot of data parsing and collecting and some really, really organized people at all levels of a district. 
Sure. And it changes frequently too. You know, you've got teachers who hear about something and then they try it out. So, you know, that is a lot to keep track of. Yeah. And we'll get into an article at the end here that talks about how, you know, there's, there's quite a few resources that have been around for a while that are still the popular ones too, but you're right. Things change so quickly. All right. Our third story, EdTech Magazine explains some pretty interesting information about esports in colleges. Now, you may not have even realized about the National Association of College Esports, but it launched about two years ago, and it's already having a huge impact. You know, For those of you still trying to wrap your head around this concept, join the club. It's not easy to think about, but as much as I even love gaming, it's still difficult to understand how this is even a thing, right? I mean, we're, we're so conditioned to think of athletics and sports being something that's physical, and you go out and you're, and you're in the world, not just looking at a computer screen, but... If you pay attention to esports, you even know the NBA recently went all in on this, including drafting esports players and running a virtual season with about 17 teams, I believe. Um, And it was a million-dollar prize in total for a couple of the tournaments. So you also don't need to look any further than YouTube or Twitch to see that some of the most subscribed to and watched channels are people live-streaming their gameplay. So this is a thing, and I guess we should expect that college esports would be exploding because of that. And here are some of the highlights from the infographic that EdTech Magazine created on this. Close to 500 institutions offer club esports. Around 100 are members of the NACE. And 50 institutions are actually offering scholarships for esport athletes. And these esports are also creating a need for even better internet infrastructure, as you might imagine, as gaming requires extremely fast connections. Christy, as difficult as this can be to wrap our heads around, I, I think, you know, wouldn't life be easier if your kids were playing in e-soccer tournaments and maybe they started at 7 a.m., but you didn't have to get up early to be at the fields. And maybe you could just roll out of bed or even just watch your kids live stream for your phone in your own bed. I mean, obviously there's a little bit of jokes here in that, but I mean, I think this is probably where we're headed, at least on some level. Well, you know, wrapping your head around esports you're uh, you know i'm with you there at first you know i was like what is this like shouldn't we be getting kids outside to play but this is such a big industry and just there's so much growth going to happen and i think this article is so timely because in our own district we just launched esports league at, at all of our high schools um you know through a grant process and you know we're out here in california um but it is just going to grow. Like we have students on a waiting list. They are having tryouts for their esports league because you can only have six compete at one time. Um, so it's having like varsity teams, JV teams. Um, you know, I never really, you know, was tracking, you know, I haven't been tracking this, um, but I just see it's going to grow. But I still hope and I love soccer and coaching soccer. So I still want to see kids outside even if it's at 7 a.m. Yeah, and I think there's going to be there's going to be the need for all of that. Like I I think if you just get down to the basic level here, I think we're including more people who would not be outdoors playing perhaps and that's not their thing and we've given them an opportunity to be on a team or be involved in a sport and have more school spirit and compete and do all those things that we you know believe as a society I think that are good about sports in general. Um, and good ways for for kids to learn and grow up and be, you know, respectful and have good sportsmanship and all that kind of stuff. And I think this is just more opportunity for that. And it, again, some of us older people are just going to have to get used to the fact that things aren't the way they used to be, and that's just how it is. And embrace it. And I'm really I'm really glad to hear that you guys in your district are embracing it. That's awesome. Well, yeah, we're definitely reaching a population who um, may not be connected to our school. So you know, we're there definitely is going to be a connection to the school with this. So we are 
you know, happily pursuing it. Um, we have staff that are so excited and on board to do it. Um, I just think it's going to take off. So our next and last article is a story from EdTech Magazine, and it's a Q&A session with Carl Rectanus, CEO of Learn, which is the company that brought the Learn platform. The platform is a way to manage all of your EdTech applications, and they have just released their 40 most used EdTech tools. In the interview, he explains he has seen a rise in the use of EdTech for formative assessments. I know this is something we've been hoping for here at EdTech Weekly, as it is such a powerful way to help improve teaching practices and give feedback to students. It's also not entirely surprising that Carl thinks schools should be investing in operational tools or management systems, as that is what one of its company's main services. That doesn't mean it isn't true, just that we have to remember who is being. That being said, the only real and meaningful way to be using formative assessment and using the data to really make meaningful changes in schools and districts is to have some way to manage the tools being used, collect the data, and then make sense of the data. We'll put a link to both the interview and the report on the tools at edtechweeklyshow.com. And one of the most interesting things about this list is that Google Docs is the most used tool and it is being used about by 30% of the total usage of all the tools put together. Yeah, and Christy, I noticed that the first five tools were all um, Google tools. So Docs, Drive, YouTube, Classroom, and Forms. So I'm sure that makes you happy. Yeah, that's not surprising at all. So, yes. Yeah, and the only thing I wonder when I hear that, and Google Docs is awesome, and we use a lot at, at my work. And, you know, it's really just a spreadsheet on some, I mean, it's really just a, a word processing document at some point, right? So I'm hoping that they're taking advantage of, like, the collaborative features, and maybe that's one of the reasons why it's so popular, and not just, hey, write a paper but do it in Google Docs so you can just share it with me. You know what I mean? I hope we're taking advantage. I'm sure I'm sure some are, but with that large of a number of usage, I wonder if it is just taking over for um, you know, a document producer that is not all online or something, you know, I don't know. Yeah, you know, if you are using Google Docs only in that way, I mean, you're just wasting it and I actually wouldn't recommend using it. <laughs> right. You know, I, if I'm just going to compose a document, I probably will go just to Word. Um, maybe that's just what I'm comfortable with. But if I need feedback or a collaborative doc, which it seems like nearly everything I work with these days is, it's just always Google Docs. Yeah, and you should definitely check out the list of the 40. I find it interesting. And it's, again, this is things that are used on their platform. So I'm not even sure... If all of the EdTech tool, I don't think all of the EdTech tools can be accessed from there. So there might be some bias in that as well. But I think this gives a pretty good representation based on conferences I've been to, based on teachers I've talked to, obviously Google, all the Google suite. And then there's Kahoot and Quizlet and Weebly, um, Google Slide Canvas, which is an LMS. So I think in general, this seems to hold true for some of the average thing. But check out this list. There may be some things on there you hadn't heard about, and you can check those out as well. But yeah, I mean, it seems like Google is, again, trying to take over the world and the education world, and it looks like they're doing it. Yeah, you know, I think Microsoft is trying to incorporate a lot of those collaborative tools as well. I have heard lots of good things about new Microsoft tools. Um, so maybe they're, you know, taking the best of adding it to theirs. Yeah, no, Microsoft is definitely doing some cool things, and their new CEO is doing some awesome stuff as well. So anything, again, I like the competition for EdTech because it just means things are going to get better for EdTech, which is awesome. If you're interested in any of the yes. articles from our show, 
check out edtechweeklyshow.com. That's where we put the links, and it's been behind for quite some time. So I'm happy to say that by the time this show comes out, it should be entirely up to date. And if it's not, you can just yell at me on Twitter or something like that. And the place to do that, that's at 4 Teachers for me and at Christy M. Warren, but don't yell at her because she's too nice and she's uh, she's not deserving of it. No comments. <laughs> and of course, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Um, again, communicate with us. Let us know you listen. Um, get us any ideas for stories. Uh, somebody actually reached out on Twitter with a story, and so we should be covering that next week. So thank you for that. Um, and yeah, so our featured segment today is is going to be an interview, and I haven't done it yet. So it's going to be coming up, and it's just going to be me, and it's going to be one of our former hosts i'm not going to say which one there's only two of them i think really besides christy that we had before so uh one of them is going to be joining me and we'll just talk about the the ridiculousness of the fact that i stuck with this for 100 episodes probably more than anything else and there'll probably be a good amount of making fun of me but that should be fun for everyone else right I look forward to listening to the interview. (laughs) I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. All right, everyone. Well, I will insert that at this point. All right. Well, this is the moment that I've been waiting for, and I think it's the perfect way to cap off our 100th episode. Our guest was a huge part of the show at the very beginning. She was the first caller into the show. I think she was our first guest, perhaps our first guest host. Welcome back to the show, Meredith. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm totally geeking out right now. And I know some of our listeners who have been here since the beginning are also super excited to hear your voice on the show again. This, Meredith... I mean, who wouldn't be? Yeah, exactly. Who wouldn't be excited to hear your voice? (laughs) (laughs) Meredith, this is our 100th show. Can you believe that? No, congratulations. That's amazing. 100 episodes. I know it's and it's pretty remarkable. Now you have the, I'll call it pleasure of knowing me personally. Do you, did you honestly, if I would have told you that, hey, do you think I can make a hundred podcasts? What would you say to that if I asked you that in the very beginning? You know, I probably would have had my doubts, <laughs> but stuck with it, and I am very proud of you. Well, that is a, a very nice way to say it. I might have had my doubts. All right. <laughs> well, we just ha- I just asked Christy some questions on the show, and I know you weren't able to hear those, so I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just to see if you have any idea of what's going on with the show. So can you guess how many downloads we've had in our 99 episodes? Oh my gosh. Um, 5,000. Meredith, I'm so happy you guessed that number because that is a low number and it makes me happy because Christy guessed a little bit high. We've had over 17,000 downloads. What? Isn't that cool? Yeah. That is really cool. (laughs) It's pretty awesome, right? And I have another question for you. Do you remember or can you recall the first episode that you left a voicemail? Oh my gosh. Like, just guess a number. Like, what episode number would you think it was? I want to say it was like number five. Oh my goodness. Our memories. Episode 19 was the first voicemail. So, really? Yeah, you kind of have to to remember that we didn't even set up that ridiculous phone number, which we don't even use anymore. 
um, until probably like the tenth episode or something like that. So, yeah, and you know what? I think that number was on my favorites for a while. <laughs> I'm sure you were our you are our biggest you were our most frequent caller for sure. And I have the audio. I'm going to play it now. I think we should listen to your first voicemail. Are you ready? All right. Hi, this is Meredith calling for EdTech Weekly. I just wanted to say that this week's um, podcast was probably the best I'd heard uh, your whole, of your whole series. And more interviews. Really liked Carla's perspective and what it brought to the dynamic of, um, of your show and hope that you guys can do more interviews in the future. Best of luck. So great. What do you think, Meredith? That was a really great call. It was a great call. It was our first one. It was a great one. And more interviews is so fitting because I don't know if you've heard. I don't know if uh, you talked with anyone. It's it is a buzz. It's it's going around town rather quickly. But I am being flown out to Boston next week to interview a couple of really big players in the ed tech space. Can you believe that? <gasps> Wow, all the way to Boston? Yeah, and they're paying for it. Like, what's going on cool. here? This is great. I know, it's pretty exciting. Oh my gosh, your listeners probably love this. They're going to get some awesome audio and some really great information from this interviews. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys is the CEO of edX at MIT, which is like an online learning platform. And the other guy was one of Obama's like Council of Education people who like voted on policies for uh, education when Obama was president. So it's pretty incredible. And I'm not sure that I'm in my league with these people whatsoever. My mind is to listen to those episodes. Yeah, I'm excited. Well, Meredith, I am so happy that you had a couple of moments to join us for our 100th episode. Um, I have such fond memories of the beginnings of the show and having you and Matt involved. And Matt has told us recently that he's going to jump back into the show from time to time. And I'm super excited about that, too. Wow, that'll be really great. Matt's a, um, a great asset to to the show. I think his, you know, he brought a lot of personality and... Uh, I know you have a great setup. I think adding Matt back in here and there as a guest would be would be quite quite entertaining. Well, and I think we'd appreciate you having you on too. So maybe we can reach out to you and get you on when when there's some topics that are in your expertise. Oh, I would love that. Please reach out. All right. Well, that sounds great, Meredith. Thank you so much. I really want to say thank you because it was one of our first active listeners. You really did help keep us going in those lean years, which is pretty much all of them, but certainly in the beginning to have someone who's actively paying attention and interacting with us was awesome. So thank you very much. Of course. And again, congratulations. 100 episodes or 100 podcasts is a huge accomplishment. So hats off to you, Mr. Zager. You've done a wonderful job and I wish you the best of luck. I can't wait to see the 500th podcast. Well, so you're, you're, coming, you're headed that way. You're coming back for the 500. I think we just booked it. Thanks again, Meredith. And hopefully <laughs> we'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. All right. Bye. All right, well, that does it for the show tonight. Once again, if you have some time to follow us on Twitter at 4TechTeachers or at Christy M. Warren, give us a review on iTunes. It helps people find us if you get a chance to do that. And, of course, edtechweekly at gmail.com. Email us. Talk to us. And don't forget about that subreddit, edtechweekly.reddit.com. We have about 250 uh, subscribers on that now. So that just keeps growing and uh, I need to be even more active on that. So I'll try to do that. And of course, edtechweeklyshow.com. Christy, do you think 
because it's our hundredth episode, we should do another reggae air horn, or do we just go out the normal way we normally do? I don't know. Do you have anything for the good people? Oh. Well, one second. Let me look for something appropriate sound. Oh, <laughs> this is real time, folks. <laughs> You're not getting this from other shows. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I'm going to do a reggae horn oh, while yeah. you look. How about that? <laughs> 100. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, Christy, what okay. do you got? Oh, shoot. <laughs> but you're going to have to edit this part out. <laughs> no, no, no editing. Are you kidding me? This is the good stuff. <laughs> Wait, this is going to be so good. This is almost there. Can you hear that, Ricky? I don't know what it is, but yes, I can hear it. <laughs> okay, it's supposed to be cowbell because everyone needs a little more cowbell. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> we waited for that, Christy. We let. <laughs> Sorry. Oh my. Edit, cut. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, everybody, for our 100th episode. Obviously, we're a little bit giddy and silly at this point for it. But we'll see you next time on EdTech Weekly. Bye-bye.